I'm going to say a, a gross couple of words next to each other that I didn't think would ever come out of my mouth, but here they come. podcast that, like the anonymous 33-year-old man in a paper last month from the Curious Journal of Medical Science, has spent the last year and a half or so ejaculating right into its own ass, and not bothered to consult a physician about it either, thank you very much. A podcast that thinks that the anonymous 33-year-old man who'd been ejaculating into his own ass for years is as perfect a metaphor for the state of the modern discourse as can possibly be imagined, and we should probably all just stop now. But we press on. Come along with us. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here, too. How are you doing, Lori? I'm fine. Lori's fine, though she is elected to not show her face. I know, this is how you are. That's not how I am at all. That's how you are. You know, uh, you know, Bob. They say you know men don't live as long as women because they don't seek medical care sooner. Yeah, it's true. And What's one of the reasons? Probably evidence of that. Well, we'll get into that a little bit later on. Today is Monday, September twenty seventh, twenty twenty one. Big weekend this weekend, eh? What What'd you get into? Not much. I. Uh, I was hanging out with some friends up uh, north of the city, uh, watching some of the football games. Good yeah. times. Huh, them dogs. 62 yeah. to nothing. Whew. All over those nerds. Vanderbilt's not very good. You know, I was watching that game, and what was it, 35 nil yeah. at the end of the first quarter? Yeah. And it was like entirely conceivable that we could have scored like 100 points yes. against them. Uh, and that, like that, would have been probably kind of gross to go out there and and lay. It would have been gross if one of our good players got real hurt doing that. Yeah, but at the same time, I really wanted the dogs to lay like seventy-five or eighty points on Vanderbilt just because we could, and and because it felt like something that almost any other SEC team that found itself in Georgia's position where for years we're like laughed at and looked down upon as a team that is always a bridesmaid and never a bride. And right. we're, we're just, especially in the last five, six years where Kirby's teams have gotten just right up to the very brink of ultimate glory and ultimately failed in the last moments, usually against Nick Saban's teams. You have to understand though, that most people don't view Georgia as this underdog Cinderella story. They th- they say, oh, Georgia's always good. Georgia's always yeah, in the top ten. People here right. in shitty ACC country that's think Georgia's great. That's not just here. That's most of the country. Right, but in that's not how people in the SEC think of Georgia. That's not how like shitty tech fans think of Georgia. They think Georgia is never quite gotten the job done ever since Herschel left the school. 
hasn't won in 40 years, right? 40, That's right. 41. Have not won 40. a title in our lifetimes, which is yes. just ridiculous <laughs> for what's supposed to be one of the best football programs in the country. And what you do when you have the opportunity in a stupid football league, such as college football, where perception matters more than the result on the field matters until the very end of the year, right? And like until you make it to the final four, which is the playoff system that they've set up for college football, until you make it into that tournament, all that matters is what everyone thinks of you, right? right. And and beating a shitty Vanderbilt team 30, uh, 62 to nothing after you'd gotten out to a lead of 35 nothing in the first 15 minutes is... Like it feels like, oh, no big deal. That's not something that's going to stick in people's memories for the next think, three months. Because the zero sticks out. I mean, the sixty whatever. I mean, if it was like a sixty whatever, forty whatever game, it would be all Big Twelve football or something. But like the, they shut them out. You know what sticks out? The biggest shutout in the history of the conference is what yeah. would have stuck out, right? What really would have stuck out is like fifteen fucking touchdowns against right. zero. <laughs> I like would that, feel a lot. <laughs> I would that feel better. Would stick out. I would feel better if this were against Auburn, Florida, well, or Georgia sure, Tech. Well, sure, I would feel better too. That Poor would be Vanderbilt. Like they're just, I, and, they do other and things. For what for worth, I think that Kirby probably would have tried to drop a hundred on Florida given the opportunity. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like part of the reason that he that they didn't put the pedal to the metal is because it is Vanderbilt, and I understand that. Right. But when it seemed like you could score basically at will in a league that values perception right. more than anything else then you do that and and do right. it for at least a half anyway like we, well, we, we, they only get they only scored a field goal in the second quarter of the game it was only it was 38 nothing at halftime when alabama won for the first time in forever right that was 2008 that was saban's first uh, good year yeah. yeah yeah they only shut out so they auburn they kicked auburn's butt 36 nothing but 35 to nothing against Arkansas State, 49-14 at Arkansas. Like, It's just so typically Georgia to have an opportunity to do something just absolutely historic and stomp on somebody in a way that no one has ever been stomped on before and, yeah. elect, to, and elect instead to put in a bunch of third stringers so that we have something to complain about uh, for the next week. Uh, right? So we have players that have ACLs that are – intact <laughs> and also it's preferable this way like if it was some ridiculous 100 nothing and then barely eked out a win against arkansas next yep. week oh they're just you know feast or famine they're just shitting yep. on crappy teams and they're barely hanging on you know a home win barely when they were 18 and a half point favorites right so it's better just to get the win against random belt you shut them out and then actually win if they win by like by these 18 and a half points which i don't see this happening, by the way, but if they do, then that would be equally as impressive as shutting out Vanderbilt. No, so Georgia's going to win by Georgia's going to win by three touchdowns at I least mean, this weekend. That's that's my bet. I Under. like the vibe I've been getting from the Georgia football program. However, I've been getting it, which is you know Google, but like. Right. What did Kirby say? He said, we're not trying to beat somebody. We're trying to beat everybody. Like, right. win all the games. Right. Just win yeah. all the games. It's just, there's a very, like, it's very Mark Richt program vibe to have to be embattled, right? So in, instead of coming off of this week feeling like world beaters and and the best team in the country, like, when was the last time you looked at a Georgia team and you thought, 
holy shit, goddamn, that's the best football team in the right country. Right before we fucking lose. No, right. you've weren't never we, felt that way about a but Georgia team. were we like one or two at some point in the last 15 years? There was like a, a few weeks. Yes, where, yeah, and at then the we end, lose. At the we end we play right. Alabama on a blackout on a fucking Saturday afternoon. Oh, yeah. It's I awful. should do that again, The last the time you felt like the best team in the country was at the end of 2008 when we ran the table to end the year and and beat up on Hawaii in the in the bowl game, right? When it was, like no Sean yeah. and Stafford had a terrific end of that season. Yes. That's when you felt like or was that 07, I guess, yeah, right? It was 2007 when we lost to Alabama in a blackout game in Athens the next year. But are we there yet this year? I mean, I I always just thought Georgia is among the best, maybe the two teams. There are two good teams. Team, there are two good teams this year. It's Alabama and it's and Georgia, who knows how the, good Florida is? Florida might be okay, but they don't. Like I've watched a couple of Florida games, and they don't strike me as they don't scare me. I mean, I know that will it'll be a tough fight because it always is against them. Aren't you concerned? But, Remember, uh, I think the Alabama Florida game was going to be a route until it wasn't. Right? It was like I think they had like a seventeen point. Yeah. Some weird like score. Like oh, I guess this Alabama is gonna. Yeah, but that Steam game I was them. watching. I guess this is a sports podcast tonight. Uh, <laughs> yes, I was watching the Florida Alabama game last. Was that last week or two weeks ago? Now two weeks ago. And Alabama looked vulnerable. They made a bunch of stupid mistakes. The secondary didn't play very well, which is very unusual for them. And they they had like really stupid procedural penalties and offsides penalties, just like very stupid non-Alabama things. I assume that they get that straightened out, but. Florida hung around in that game because of stupid mistakes by Alabama, not because Florida was Is particularly as good. As I would just okay. rather go around doing business than acting like we're the best team. I don't mean acting, but I think that there's there's an element in the the psychological makeup of the Georgia program that is it's just never stomped around like it was the biggest, baddest motherfucker on campus, which right. is fine because it really hasn't been. Right. But when you, you have that opportunity, to. when you're one, no, you don't need to, but it, it matters. And especially if we end up losing a game to Florida or something, right? And then or Auburn, God forbid, <laughs> or Auburn. So we lose a, If we lose a game to one of our two shitty rivals that who conceivably could beat us on paper uh, this season, and then you go and you lose a close game to Alabama in the SEC championship, and you have not established the fact that when you're at your best, you look like the best team in the country. I don't know how 68 or whatever it is to nothing is not that. 62 to nothing. They were one touchdown shy of a very nice score, which is probably what really has me pissed off. <laughs> That's really what the problem is. Should have gone for two then just to deprive you of that. <laughs> the point is that in a stupid college football world that depends entirely on what everyone else in the country thinks of you in order to get you into the tournament at the end of the year, you should do everything in your power to prove that you're the baddest motherfucker on the block anytime that you can. And Georgia never takes that opportunity. Right. And Alabama always does, it seems like. They don't. They just are. <laughs> That's the difference. But there is some I, – I, I see your point, Bob, where there is some discretion at the end where you can just – you know, oh, we, we can do whatever we want. We just choose not to be assholes. 62 nothing is pretty asshole. I mean it's, it's pretty dominant, I, I should say. It's not an asshole thing, but it's a very dominant performance. Right. I don't think In that first quarter, it didn't feel like we were being assholes. It just right. felt like we were out there scrimmaging. Yeah, like right. there was no – defensive touchdowns like back-to-back. Right. right. And yeah, maybe they'll prove me wrong, and they go out and they win like forty-eight to nothing on on Saturday against. Or maybe do that Arkansas. against Florida or Auburn or someone who matters. If 
th- that happens, Bob, which, again, I don't see happening. If there's, like, a shutout against Arkansas, 100% Georgia's going to lose to Auburn. Like, it's it's a perfectly set up thing where that's, it says, oh, nobody I'm can saying. stop us. You know? this, is the, this is the psychological thing that is wrong with Georgia people, <laughs> is that we never... We never actually believe that we're the best I, and the baddest on the block. Do, do we need to hashtag believe? Is that I, what we need to do? Also, I don't think it's unique to Georgia. I think a lot of fan base, I mean, the teams may do whatever, right? But I think oh, most fan great. bases think their shoe's about to drop. And by the way, shoes have dropped a plenty <laughs> during the Georgia years. So, I mean, they've, they've had bad games, like, just all the time. Dropping so. shoes, just falling shoes. Yeah, sure. And at the end of the year, if Georgia wins all its games, then it's not going to matter. Right. And you can already see it, by the way. We're going to run the table, and we're going to get to the Final Four, and we're going to beat Notre Dame because Notre Dame is a shitty team that's going to find its way into a, a flawless season here until they get to the playoff. Right. Or they'll, they'll, they'll lose some game that they shouldn't lose to, like, NC State or something like that. And, and then we'll lose to Alabama in the championship game, and that'll be how the season ends because we didn't after believe after we've that. after by the way Fuck we've beaten that. them in the sec championship right so right. we'll we'll beat them in the sec championship and then lose to them in the Fuck that. In the final. that's not happening Fuck that this is the best time this is the people talk about uh spring as being the best time of the sports calendar i think that is precisely wrong People well, like the the NBA and and all that other stuff. So I this thought, is like, the best time in the right, sports calendar. I, I think April, May, and then September, October, October. September, October is probably the best of the two. But like those two stretches, I was like, just weather wise and also with sports this wise. One is it's high stakes, right? With like playoff baseball, but I don't want to watch that. I want right. to watch football, which is equally high stakes because it's college football where every game matters just as much as every other game. And there's just aren't enough time slots. Right. Everything overlaps. It's awful. I think, yeah, objectively, this is probably the best stretch. Is it? Maybe it's just we're getting old or I'm getting old. Everything is happening so fast. It feels like the season's going by very fast. It's like already out. This is like the last week of September. We're already into October. Last year. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like all of the stuff is, oh, we already played this team. We're already through this, and next week will be October. Yeah, the football season seems to be going fast, but the month seemed to take forever for this some reason. September is taking forever, but the football season is like half over already. doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Speaking of football, NFL Red Zone, what is your take on uh, on the Red Zone channel? There was a, So Red Zone, for those out there who, for whatever reason, don't know, is a product put out by the NFL Network where you can watch every meaningful play or potentially meaningful play. Potentially meaningful is the problem. That happens across all of the 14 or 15 NFL games that are going in a single weekend. So there were nine games on in the early slot yesterday, and there was a a free weekend of Red Zone where normally you have to subscribe to the bonus sports package or what have you in your cable in order to uh, to get the red zone, but they're giving it away for free this weekend as an enticement to get you to subscribe in the future. So we got to watch, and there were nine games in the first slot, the 1, 1 p.m. Eastern kickoff slot, and the only other game that was on locally here was the Washington football team against whoever the, the hell they played. The Bills? I think. It was the Bills this weekend. Oh, the Bills, yeah, yeah, the Bills. And then, like, the Ravens were playing whoever the hell the Ravens Jaguars game actually ended up being incredibly entertaining Ravens Lions I want to say right 
Because Jaguars Ravens played the uh, yeah, Cardinals. Bob's got it all wrong. Was it Ravens Lions? You're yeah, because it happened in Detroit. Them. That that kick. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. What was the Poor Detroit? It was a that 66. Was, what was funny is so I said to Calvin uh, or Katie, yeah, because Katie was like, "Can we stop watching football? Can we do literally anything else?" Because we said the, no. the TV had been on football like all day. Not that we're like sitting there watching it all day, right. but like but it's just, you know, it's yeah, just and a she's Sunday. To do anything so besides watch football, we right. turn on the TV and leave it on. But I was like, "No, Katie, there's only a couple minutes left in this Lions game, and they're winning, and the Lions." usually find really really interesting and funny ways to lose so we're gonna see how the lions lose this game and like the words weren't even out of my mouth and and uh uh what's his name uh jackson is uh uh, oh you mean um lamar 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 yeah. Jackson is throwing on a, on a fourth and twenty yeah. to convert to keep a drive alive with like a minute to go. It's like ah, you see, Katie, I told you. Yeah, and then all good. Yeah. And then they're gonna kick a sixty-six yard field goal, and the refs completely miss a delay of game penalty del- that would have backed them up to seventy-one yards. It's like you see, Katie, this is why we're watching this shit because this only happens to the Lions, and the, so the refs miss that, and then they line up to kick a sixty-six yard field goal. And Justin Tucker, who's like right, right for for the the farthest kick in the history of the NFL, uh, and previously in the day they had the Jaguars had returned another attempt at the longest kick right. in NFL history for sixty eight yards. They they tried to kick a sixty eight yarder. Who's that? Prater, I think. And and with a repeat of the Alabama Auburn game, right? Uh, what are they, kick a six? kick six. Yeah, but they he caught it at the very back of the end zone and returned it one hundred and nine yards for a score at the end of the the first half of the Jaguars game. But anyway, so so Justin Tucker, like probably the best, at least to this point in his career, the best kicker right. in the history of the NFL by the, right. any metric that you can come up with. And he kicks a six, 66 yards, gets just absolutely into it. It's right down the middle, and it thunks into the <laughs> crossbar. And it bounces. And like, a, a, what's going to happen? Because the, the angle was so wrong, and it thunks, but it goes straight up and in, and right. all the way to the net. But you couldn't really tell from the camera angle the depth. Basically, you just needed to look at the ref to say whether it was good or not, and it was good. Right. Although I got I to gotta think, uh, speaking of uh, – Fans bases who don't think you know thinks everything's gonna fall apart. Even if they did call the delay of game, they probably could not have kicked it. So they probably would have done a hail mary. The Lions fan base must have thought oh, no. we're probably gonna lose, like uh, some weird defensive right pass some, interference. Something would have, and then, they probably would have then jumped off sides or something right. uh, for no reason. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they were gonna lose that game one way or another, and I didn't want to oh. miss it. But. That misses the whole. Red zone sucks. Is that what we're talking yeah, about? How much red zone but sucks? That was the late. That was the late game, and we were just watching that game. But earlier in the day, I didn't want to watch the stupid uh, Washington football team because I don't like them. Although the Bills are perfectly entertaining, it's fine. So I just flipped on red zone. So what is your position on red zone? Lori despises red zone. So the as you mentioned, it was a free preview. It's kind of like they they model it after like uh, the drug dealers. I imagine you know they give you a taste so you can get hooked, right? And watching it, it's like wow, this is great. But I was like trying to think. Imagine I had this like every week. Like I would I would not be able to concentrate on regular football games going forward. But it's been around for a while, right? So no one has. Uh, people are still watching Sunday night and Monday night the, the standalone games. But I think after a while, I was just so used to all of the. 
the slightest lull in action, they just cut to something else. Oh, right. here's somebody returning a kick for 190. Oh, this guy's getting sacked. This guy's leg is broken. It's like, well, holy the, shit. The guy's name, I think, the host is uh, Scott, Scott Hansen, Hansen, I think. Yeah. And He's, uh, he, <laughs> he takes great pride in not pissing for seven hours. He used to be, he used to do this thing where he would, oh, they're going to commercial over on Fox. We jump away from there. We don't do commercials here on the red zone. And he used to, in, in previous years, he said that like 25 times throughout the course of a single day. I, didn't, right. I don't think that I heard it during the entire day's broadcast. Yeah, he's uh, cooled on that. But he's, I mean, he seems like a blob. Apparently there's another guy because there's another package that's also the red zone, but it's like for the satellite direct t- viewers. The direct TV one, I think, is a different, product yeah, it's a different yeah. but it's like the same kind of thing it's called red zone and but i i do see the concerns of like it's kind of you would lose your your brain if you watch it all the concern. time i don't understand it, how someone can like football and like nfl red zone so it's perfect as a second screen experience right and so also the NFL fantasy red football zone, people right right nfl red zone is the one that you put on on mute on the second television whether right. you're you, you happen to yeah, set up a second sure. tv in your house or if you're at the bar, if it's, it's at perfect. A bar, one of many televisions, it's fine. Right. It's like, how can you enjoy? Just watch highlights. If this is what you want to do, but it like doesn't matter highlights. that it's happening in real time. Right. I think because that... you don't get the story of the drive. If it were a drive at a time, I would be into it. Right. Like I fully admit that if they said we're going to do this drive of this game, and then when you punt or score, then you go to a different active drive happening right but like this let's cut to this thing happening and it's an incomplete pass okay now something else like just let me watch a football game yeah but you're completely discounting the impact of gambling and how much fun (laughs) this can be for someone who for example just takes like three bucks and 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 does a 15 game parlay for the weekend just for fun thinking i could turn the three dollar parlay ticket into like 15 grand or something ridiculous like that if i bet on all of the games then you don't need to be watching it doesn't it's too much but it makes it so much fun that you cannot Football's fun by itself. Until you've gambled on football, you cannot appreciate how much better watching a football game that otherwise you don't care about becomes the moment that you've put money on a certain outcome. And and the drawback is if, you know, like the old way, you know, let's say you remove the Red Zone channel, uh, then whatever game you get in your area, and they often try to do not too many double headers. So sometimes they'll just get a single game early and then maybe like a double header later. But whatever the case... If the games are duds, then you're just – that's it. That's football viewing for right. the day. That like is a, a, you're, you've identified exactly the only reason I would ever pay for Red Zone is that if, for example, I'm in the Washington, D.C. T- television market right. and I can't ever watch other games, I always have to watch whatever stupid – like you're locked into the Baltimore games right. and the Washington games. And so, yeah, Baltimore has been a fun team for the last few years. But – to be stuck watching Washington football team all the fucking time is a bummer. Right. And if you have the opportunity, if you're a football fan, to watch something besides that, you are take it. Are you a it. football fan or are you a football gambling fan? I like, because that does seem to be the distinction. Yeah, I like football. If your team stinks or you can't watch your team, then I think that as a backup, the red zone is fun. To, especially like, And yeah, I fully get it. Like I find it too hyperactive and distracting to actually sit there and watch it. But I was sitting there putting together my new office chair or sit there right. dicking around reading the New York Times or something on a Sunday. 
and it's on in the background, it's perfect. I don't, right. I cannot, the way that some people no doubt do, sit there and just stare at it for four hours no, in a row. You sit there and you look at other things while it's on. And there's right. a, the my favorite thing about football is also the thing I like, I guess, about baseball, which is you know when to look up at the screen and you know when to look away. Right. Like right. there's this beautiful ebb and flow to the whole game that basketball doesn't have and hockey doesn't have, where it's just right. high energy it just the whole good. time. Right. I it's like something's happening, engage, and right. then the thing ends, and you can move on with your life for a few seconds. Actually, that's a good point. You're right. Yeah. Uh, we're basically like this is the setting. It's bottom of this, and this is the situation. Then you can just watch, and then you can move, it's you circle get back. in a groove with right. it. And with Red Zone, you never get to let go because it's throwing you into the middle of action all the time, which takes away my favorite thing about the game. What? It's just like the worst. It's the worst. Yeah. I, I, I will say one thing, Bob. Uh, it's a great exception of you thinking that I uh, took no joy out of the, the field goals made because I sometimes uh, like a shank or two. There's yeah. plenty of opportunity for me to to enjoy the shank. So it, on the rare occasion a great field goal is made, I'm fine with it. It's totally fine. I was Especially, happy I think that you're in that position at the moment because it was a stadium full of Lions fans <laughs> who all felt just indescribable pain. And it was – you were able to – what you would normally take – because you can't – you wouldn't even have been able to get mad at Justin Tucker if he right. missed the 66-yard yeah, right. field like, goal. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. There would have been no joy no, for you. I was you. saying that the right. other day. That's where, like, true. If you're going to be a kicker kicking a game-winning field goal, have it be a long one that like you're probably not going to make it. So if you yeah. don't make it, it's not your fault. No, that's true. The, the shorter the kick, the more joy I get out of it when it misses. Like, especially if it's yeah. thirty something, thirty anything. It's so. It's the you've it's got so much one fun. job thing. Right. Yeah. The way that the red zone is to a regular NFL game in terms of the level of hyperactive attention that you sort of they want you to pay to it based on the aggressive cuts and the the guy screaming at you about, oh, we're going to Detroit now for right. a third and ten from the twenty five. Like that is to a regular NFL game, what watching playoff baseball is to a regular season in July baseball game. And the, and that makes for very similar to what Lori is talking about. Uh, just almost unbearable watching for it's, me I where it's, and it's, it's the always opposite. Georgia, Florida. It's always when Georgia, Florida is happening. Right. It's my favorite thing about baseball is that it, during the season, it's one thing. And then when you get to playoff time, it becomes just this entirely different it's crazy. sport somehow. It's cr- because it's crazy. D- d- during the season, like, no one game matters. Like, I mean, there's a, I mean, a collection of games may be trend lines. But, but, like, in the playoffs, like, holy shit, this is – you have to actually perform now. And four games or a best of seven doesn't seem like a lot of games when you played so many other games before. Right. And so it's crazy. Braves – Big fun week. Bulldogs, big fun week. We'll see what happens. You know, um, on on the general note on the red zone stuff, it seems like there's an interest in people watching not exactly the full game. Because, like, Monday night is doing this goofy Manning thing. And, like, week over week it went up, like, in the ratings. We're, like, 800,000 viewers the first week and almost 2 million people watched it the following week. Yeah, we're, mi- we're missing it because we record yeah, this sucks. stupid podcast on uh, Monday night. I would miss it in instead. any case. But, uh, Who do we think we are? <laughs> but it seems like people are not always interested in watching the full game. And so maybe it's catering to those people. 
who have either... No, it's catering to exactly what I want, which is an alternative broadcast. They're showing the game. But are they... You know, I heard that they're not always showing the game. Like, if you were actually watching that team... I'm sure they're looking away at the right times. Right. It is very much... It is very much not like watching a football game. Like, I watched an extended clip of it, and the game is happening, but they're not talking very much about what's happening on the field. It's, It's closer to, like... You've got the game on mute, and Eli and Peyton are just hanging out with you in the living room and having a conversation. So it's it not- works with a two-screen thing where you have the sound off, but the picture yeah, the on the actual is game. you have the and game then- on, okay. and you're hanging out with them. Okay. I'll get rid of the older brother, then I'll, I'll watch. We're going to open up the WGAS news bag in a minute here and fly, fly through some stuff. All right. Slate, uh, the internet magazine publication that is annoying to me. That we we talk about the ways in which Slate annoys me often on this podcast. Maybe what we need to do if we want to build an audience is to just bite the bullet and subscribe to Slate Plus so that I can read all of the unlimited articles that I want over on Slate.com and then just focus the podcast entirely on complaining about what happens over at the website Slate.com. Maybe that would be... my consumption of Slate is almost entirely the political gap fest, right? So I, randomly, there'll be a story like that I'll read. What's but it's funny about just... that fact is that those are the people who were at Slate 20 years ago when right. Slate was good. That is an it's... interesting arrangement, right? Because now they have gone to many different things. Like, oh, they're like here, and then they're there, and they're like everywhere else. But it's still under the, the banner of Slate's political gap fest. It's, it's weird. Right. Yeah, I think that as a, as a way of understanding what boomers are thinking about, or, or like, I guess they're more Gen Z, or Gen X Gen rather X, than they right. are boomers. But as a way of understanding what the old establishment, sort of your typical mainstream li- liberal is thinking about where the country is and, right. and what's happening, that there's not a better 45 minutes a week to listen to than right. this late political gab fest, probably. They will tell you exactly what it is the mainstream is thinking. And I generally like Dickerson anyway. But anyway, uh, Slate is annoying. There was a lengthy profile of uh, sex columnist Dan Savage in Slate last week that I wanted to briefly uh, discuss. Dan Triple G Savage? Last week? We did not talk about it on the show. It, I think it came out like the next day or something like we that. We were talking about it uh, on the chat, but not... Right. Uh. Anyway, so Savage is... A guy that I have been reading for, I don't know how long, however long that the AV Club has been posting his Savage Love column is probably how long I have been reading Dan Savage. I don't know how long that is. I listen to Bob listen to Dan Savage as much as Matt Taibbi. Like, between Matt Taibbi and Dan Savage, I think Bob is, it's like, that's got to be 75% of your consumption <laughs> is between Matt Taibbi and Dan Savage. I listen to since forever. Y- usually about 30 minutes of the 50-minute Savage Lovecast okay. every week, and that's it. I don't even make it through the entire Savage Lovecast every I, week. I, it, it's, uh, it's, uh, There's no shame in it. Uh, like a change of pace. Uh, it's basically the change of pace po- on my podcast rotation so it's not maybe like twice a month i'll listen to it i always and i know you've said uh and others have said that it doesn't really matter ultimately if something is true or not but every other list you know uh, listener 
or whatever reader says something on, on the on the actual podcast, it just sounds like they made it up, right? But right. I, which again is beside the point. I think I came. I came to know him through panel shows or whatever Bill Maher was doing. Like that's how I kind of first knew him. I didn't actually read his advice column, but he would make the rounds like other people would. And like right. this guy seems to like it, he kind of reminds me of uh or Dr. Godlieb actually reminds me of Savage because they're able to just kind of structure their st- statements in such a succinct succinct way that they get to the point there's not a lot of stammering there's not a lot of just all over the place they just get to the point that they're trying to make and they're done right so he's very good at that he's he's very good at that another similarity between the two of those people is that they have a way of making you feel better without placating you right right because they just yeah oh okay this is going to be fine. Yeah. Right. That, pander is the word that you But it's look, not. He, he does not pander. He right. doesn't pander, but he does, at the end of hearing him say words, you feel good. Yeah. Yeah. And sure, I like Savage just fine. Lori's being silly about my secret love affair for Dan it's Savage. It's not a secret love it's affair. Not a, not it's a secret. A wide out in the open love affair. <laughs> no, I, I just don't. I lo- <laughs> whatever. Were you aware Dave of some of the stuff that they're talking about? Like this good giving whatever thingy majig this racket this cult yeah and it's a i think explain, it's a profile start, what, explain the whole thing it's a profile worth reading if only because it gets a handle on what the main uh, like slate tends to do they're producing for a mainstream sort of liberal audience what they think a mainstream liberal audience wants to hear and savage is someone who's been on the bleeding edge of what you would imagine to be sort of mainstream liberal thought for the last 30 years of his public life, he's been writing this advice column since like 1995 or something like that. And someone who is, for as long as I can remember, and, and you can read his, old, his whole archive, has been very, you know, he's a sex positive guy. He's an identity positive guy. Like he, he sort of laughs about the pro- pronoun stuff now. He's just because like he's positive be- about everything. Because he's older, right? right? So it, right. he, like the pronoun wars of the... 2020s strike him as kind of silly considering that he came up and like most of his friends that he had in the 80s died because of AIDS right (laughs) because people were not interested in trying to figure out what was going on with a disease that was killing homosexual men in the 1980s because nobody fucking cared that homosexual men were dying right some of them were saying oh they you know it was God's wrath or whatever nonsense right that this was actually uh, the Lord's will So to complain about Dan Savage and his lack of sort of progressive bona fides is – it's hilarious. Anytime it comes up, it it, it seems very funny to me. So does that mean that he's always said the exact right thing where you define the right thing to be exactly what the modern progressive woke person thinks now? Well, no, of course not because nobody thought those things 25 years ago. Right. It didn't occur to anyone to even ask, should gay marriage be a thing until 25 years ago? Right. It was so completely out of the mainstream of the American consciousness that nobody even thought to ask the question of the American public until like 1993. So, no, it is not the case that he was exactly 
he, he was not referring to transgender individuals as transgender 25 years ago because back then we called them transsexuals right. or cross-dressers right. or whatever we called them. And then they even used the term tranny, which now is considered a, a slur. Right. The, the, the word tranny was regularly used almost affectionately, sort of like faggot. <laughs> not sort always of like, affectionately. <laughs> not, no, certainly not always affectionately, right? No. And no doubt at some point in my childhood or even uh, adulthood have I used tranny in a derogative way. I assume that I have. I don't, right. I don't recall. Certainly like never mean, never to a person, like <laughs> never right. like deriding someone or anything right. like that. Right. But I've used the word. The right. word has come out of my lips before. And he's gotten in trouble for referring to the existence of the word without saying, instead of saying like the T word or the T slur, he might actually say, well, you know, we used to, that's just what people used to call each other back in the day. It was a tranny. Like it wasn't a big deal. Right. But, but to, the, to the extent that he's gone in trouble on it, it's, it's not – I mean based on my reading, it was very light criticism. I mean still out and about and on the whole people have a positive view on him, right? It's not like he's being shunned by you know people or anything like that. Basically they're like taking him to task over something that they find objectionable now that he said in 1994, which is kind of a weird thing to do, but whatever, people do it. But it seems like he's fine, right? Like no one has... No, it's not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that no, Savage not, is being canceled, right. or or that he's complaining about being canceled. Right. No, that's. But he has he has brushed up on and up against a lot of the cancel culture stuff, where it, because because people so desperately want to police language and police other people's thoughts that, and he's never been one to like to bow down, and and that's right. that's all these people are asking for a lot of the time, right? Is you must submit. It's just it's a stupid power play. It is a power play, yeah. And and for what it's worth, the article is actually I think pretty fair. Rel- like it it grapples with the the person who wrote it has their problems with things that Dan Savage has said in the past, and and you made a point about this GGG thing that you had not right, heard so before. It's good Neither giving had I, because game. I don't listen to that much Dan Savage. Right. That's- <laughs> so it's it's good giving. And game. So basically, the idea is that you shouldn't be a prude and you should be open to whatever your partner's into. I think later on he cle- cleared it up by you saying with be, a reason later. It, but it it's seems basically like it was, just a way of saying you should be – and I'm going to say a, a gross couple of words next to each other that I didn't think would ever come out of my mouth. But here they come. You should be a generous lover is something <laughs> that, that – <laughs> Right. I, I so, despise the use of the word lover in – Basically any context, and I'm I'm horrified that the, that phrase just came out of my, life. No, I'm, I'm at my mouth. Some, sometimes that's the accurate way to put it. But whatever the case, maybe I mean that seems to be what he was getting at, just from my reading it. But it seems like the uh, the writer and other people, and I think she was isol- basically singling out women. Basically, the way they read it was to. Basically, let somebody do all kinds of things to you because right. this is how you so, demonstrate being a generous whatever. Some people have taken to being GGG, good, giving, and game in your sexual relationships, to mean that you should let the other person walk all over you Yeah, uh, in that context. And why is it the advice columnist's job to explicitly make it clear that in a GGG relationship— that is required of both parties, right? right? It's not like 
like that it seems to go without saying right that if you're in a relationship and you are supposed to be ggg that other person is also supposed to be uh, those same things and should be concerned about your personal welfare right and if they're not at all concerned with your personal welfare then you do not have to be ggg for right, that there, person you there, are permitted to leave right there has to be some re- reciprocity and i think in the article there was this back and forth where Dan Savage tried to make it a gender neutral thing because they're at no point none of those G's are saying girls, right? It's just those three G's. And then the writer was kind of saying, well, within the framework of women, there's these expectations. And I think there was this this back and forth where He's like, I never said it to mean that, but she was saying that that's how it's taken. You know, the, the, the woman's going to— was Yeah, but that's what drives me nuts is that he does it specifically so that it's given as advice to both men and women, right? That in a straight heterosexual relationship, both the man and the woman need to be GGG and well, supportive and of, of their the partner in that it, way. Even if it's not a straight heterosexual relationship. Right. Like he yes. gives very, very general advice. Yes, right. and, yeah. but what I'm saying is that he—that the— the person who's writing this article and people who take his GGG advice to be somehow inherently misogynist are taking it that way, and they're, they're taking his advice that is intended to be for the entire population and saying it is his fault that men behave shittily right. in relationships. And that right. the fact that he gave out the advice that women are more likely to take – somehow puts him at fault for giving out the advice in the first place, right? Right. That because women, for whatever reason, at least in the minds of these people, are more likely to try to please their partner than uh, the man is, that by saying you must be GGG in a relationship means that there's a whole population of men out there who listened to him for the last 25 years who are hearing an opportunity right. to They're walk all over women. They're kind of weaponizing this thing to say, oh, you're not playing ball, woman. Like right. that and that's Savage Dan said. Savage's right. fault? Yeah. Like- yeah. And some of the requests these dudes were making, holy shit. <laughs> Literally, yes. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, but still, I think in general the piece was pretty good until right, think, it gets yeah. to until it gets to the very end. And I'm going to read a, a quote from it near the end. Uh, Savage is not trying to mete out karmic justice; he's trying to find solutions. For every person that makes it into the column, I don't know how many there are that he just answers personally," said Hartunian, the Savage Lovecast producer. He's constantly writing to people for free because he wants to help people. He obviously hasn't always succeeded. He's driven off readers with his carelessness and callousness and tendency to dig in his heels. He's used bigoted language. He's been dead wrong. He's been slow to understand the way superficially gender-neutral prescriptions can affect men and women differently, and he may never be done issuing clarifications and updates to his code of conduct. End quote. So... The way that the writer of this piece frames what's wrong with Dan Savage is all right there in that last sentence. He may never be done issuing clarifications and updates to his code of conduct. And I would ask this person, what more do you want from a public person than to continue (laughs) to evolve with the time? Like, literally, what you've defined is a progressive, right? right? You've defined someone who is not obstinate about the way that the culture changes around them, even as they, uh, who came up in a different time, right, who's an older person and and just sort of 
in the human is sort of an inherently conservative being, I think, in, in some ways, that the older you get, the more you start thinking, oh, why can't it just be more like it right. used it to be? What's for the all matter years, yeah. with the kids these days? It worked for me. Why can't it work for you? And her criticism of Savage is that sometimes he has to apologize and change the way that he presents and change the language that he uses. That's like what else is – she spends a whole article – outlining a dozen different ways that he's failed in the past, right? The things that he's gotten wrong, all of which are basically positions that he's he's come around on, right? right. That he's admitted that he won't – like he doesn't just throw around tranny anymore the way right. that he used to because it's not part of the modern discourse, right? So the problem with Dan Savage is somehow both that he has sinned in the past – and moved on from those things, that, right. that he wasn't always, he was not born a perfect, progressive individual made for the world of 2021 and instead has to offer apologies and corrections for that. Right. Like, that's your problem? I, I, what's weird about that last part is the first half of it is, of course, that's every human, right? Like, people are going to make mistakes and whatnot. And the second part is only true where it's like, oh, he's going to continue to make all these whatevers. That's only true if you think all there is that needs to be known is known now, and so he should be batting a thousand going forward because we have all of the right answers. That's a thing that's happening right now in every way. Right. It's everything you see is look how stupid we were before and how enlightened we are now. Right. It's like, okay, but before, we thought we were stupid before. Right. So like – So if you follow that pattern, there's something we're doing wrong now. We just don't know what it is. There's something she's doing right now that she – I mean things things constantly shift and you don't know how they're going to shift. they got it figured out. Right, and it's not like – you know, a lot of people think that oh, all a lot a lot of the things that happened in the past were done out of like malice or some knowing like aha, I'm getting no, away with a thing. That. It's just you're just going through life, and sometimes Everybody's you'll make idiot. mistakes, and you don't recognize it's a mistake. And if someone calls you out on it initially, just as any human would, you may reflexively push back against it, which is natural. And but if you eventually come through, and you're like, you know what, I see the point that you're making, and you're right. That's not good enough. Like that's not like it seems like there's something that's missing here because it sounds like you're saying that you should be able to be perfect on these issues going forward. And that's not possible because things are always going to change. Right. She thinks that we at some point in the last like 18 months were delivered the tablets from (laughs) on high. Right. That we now have all of the fucking answers. And you like tell me where the tablets who got who took delivery of the tablets and where did they come from and whose name is at the bottom of them. Right. Right. If because it's going to be constantly shifting and that's nothing to complain about. Right. I I don't it's it's a this is a much larger take of mine and it's a confusion of uh, this this belief that we have of absolute moral progress. That's actually just a confusion for uh, political and civil progress. Right. Mm -hmm. That we've that somehow humans were less moral before and that's why the world was bad before right. and that's why they, that we're getting more moral and therefore we're making the world a better place is the way that certain people believe and and it's just nonsense right, right? this is a, i probably made the point on the podcast before but like do we think that jesus christ like like what what has been said in the last 2000 years that 
you can say is more fundamentally moral than the prescriptions laid out by the Greeks or or Jesus Christ or any of the other great moral philosophers over the last uh, in all of human history. Right. right. It's we haven't suddenly discovered a new set of moral principles that allow us to be better people. Right. We are occasionally pushing against some unfortunate uh, civil and political apparatus that make it difficult for the world to be in a pleasant place for everyone. And we're doing better in a lot of ways, right? Right. right. Less less violence, less interpersonal violence, less nation-on-nation violence than at most points in human history, despite, you know, sure, America's adventurism and not to downplay the problems in the world. But there's just this absolute confusion that moral progress is this thing that's happening right now all around us and that up until this point we've all been moral monsters and it i just don't get it right and things are are a lot messier than somebody like this writer would like to admit things are not like you should have known it's like it's a really common thing that i've noticed in the last few years that we as a culture think that we've got it all figured out i first noticed when there was a video on BuzzFeed, probably, about, like, hair trends in the past. Yeah. And it's like, oh, look at that dumb thing. And then in the 50s, it looked like this. Look how stupid. Right. And then in the 80s, it looked like this. And now, right. now we're perfect. Right. It's like, no, we're, no. this is stupid, too. R- right. This is all stupid. Right. It's like jeans, though. Nobody gets mad about the fact that different jeans styles come and go right it's not like apparently get very mad about that the point is people don't like people recognize that the fashion trends come and go right like it's 80s now or it's 90s now or whatever it is like and nobody gets like upset about it right but it's different i guess when it comes to like butt stuff identity (laughs) yeah speaking of identity i don't want to get too into the weeds on this but so my brother jesse uh, identifies as non-binary, and that's fine. So, Jesse, the the point here is that Jesse identifies as a non-binary individual and was interviewed in some small magazine where they accidentally misgendered him as her when his preferred gender pronouns are they, them, and, like, whatever. Setting, I'm not, I don't want to talk about the, the personal stuff, but what was interesting to me is that on his Twitter feed... He posts, like, original artwork. He, he does this NFT stuff. He posts his own original art to his they community. They their of, own. Sure. And regularly gets, like, a few likes. He has 1,000 followers. He has 2,000 followers on, on Twitter. Oh, wow. And, Good. And gets, like, a dozen likes on a, on a piece of original artwork that he put 40 hours into or what have you. And then... The moment that he posts this thing about being misgendered, it it the post, relatively speaking, blows up. And it's something that happens all the time when you look at a person who works really hard to make a product or to do a thing or to, to produce content for the internet, and it gets like five or six likes and it's fucking forgotten the next day. But if you can present yourself, and I'm not saying that this is him presenting himself as a victim – Uh, When he wasn't because like whatever, like this this is a genuine thing that happened. But if one has the opportunity to present oneself as the victim, that's what gets all of the feedback, right? Right. This is a machine that we've built on, on Twitter and Instagram and these other things where because there's this culture of like having your back. 
of of making sure like there's no incentive for anybody to give a shit about the thing that you pumped all of your life and and heart right. and blood and soul into like this right this actual thing that you did that you worked really hard on and you want other people to see because you think it's an expression of a of a truth that you've come to or it's just an expression of your like think about that this is a a work of art that a, a person spends 40 or 60 or 80 hours on right. that's an expression of individual identity in a far more meaningful way than what somebody else uh, decides your pronoun is that day right. in some magazine piece right? right that's that's a personal brand identity that fucking matters right, right. that's you that's your heart and soul and blood on a page or on a, a couple of million pixels on a tv screen and like that's something to get passionate about and care about and get all of the 2,000 people who follow you to give you a heart react or what have you. But instead, the only thing that rouses the mob is the moment you can show that you've been victimized by the, by the patriarchal establishment that, that, that misgendered you in a, in a column that nobody's going to fucking read unless they misgender you, by the way. Is the, is the, the thrust of the, uh, the, the, the post that, it was like a malicious thing or like they no, just made a the mistake? assumption was that it was a mistake i think okay so it it's blew tricky up with one. a name like jesse it's tricky with a name like jesse where the interview probably took place over email and his his twitter avatar is not suggestive of one gender or another then like oh the name is jesse and like who knows it just slips in sometimes there was a stupid singer who identifies as they them did we ever talk about this on the show no, i don't remember but we don't like need demi to. lovato demi yeah. i think it was demi lovato where there was this big long magazine they, piece she. and oh you could do it any identif- which way oh you could make i mean okay i'm not gonna say What's that <laughs> so it's they she in this case so it could be anything any combination so that's no. so. This is why I'm bringing it up is because Demi Lovato got mad, got big mad online about the fact that she was misgendered in an article written about her, like a cover story, when they identified in the piece that she's non-binary and goes by these pronouns, right? But then throughout the piece, after that, they only referred to her with she, her, probably just for editorial confusion purposes, right? right. That it's just... But but what Demi Lovato said, I'm pretty sure I'm, I, I would be real mad if this was not a story about Demi Lovato, because uh, I'm not going to be able to go back and you can splice in the right name, post. like you know, yeah, but, it's great. <laughs> it's even better. Uh, pretty sure it was Demi Lovato. She writes this big thing on Twitter about how she's big mad because the magazine only used she/her pronouns when she had identified as a they slash she, which. Apparently, and I didn't know this. This was a this was a teachable moment for old Bob here, which is that if you have they she pronouns, it is incumbent upon everyone else to use they she interchangeably and randomly and to not commit to one or the other because it's now incumbent upon you, the person who does not have these pronouns, to do the political work of the pronoun for the person who identifies in that way. And that strikes me as everything that's wrong with the stupid pronoun culture, right? right. Which is that it's it's one thing to say I'm an it, right? right. And, and that's a, a, a savage thing actually out of that piece. You can go and read the whole history of it. I'll make sure that it's in the show notes. But there was a person at some... It was just like a talk. Okay. And seminar. Like a seminar thing where they have a university brings like in three good. brings in three speakers and they they have they take question and answer from the audience okay. or what have you. Right. 
So then there was some person in the audience whose pronouns are it. Whereas Dan Savage came up in a time where referring to a transgender or transsexual mean. person as an it was basically the worst that's thing that really, you can really do. Mean. Right. right? And, and that's dehumanizing though. Like Right. That's exactly right. Yes. So to me, it would be awful to refer to as an uh, any other human being as an it right that it's a classic shitty way of talking about transgender people right. is to say she her him it whatever like that's shitty right there was a, probably a lot of that when bruce jenner became caitlin jenner like you go back and and read the awful discourse about that when that happened i'll bet there were a lot of shitty clay travis types online making bad jokes about it right but this person at this UFC TED Talk that wasn't a TED Talk apparently identified as an it. But if Dan Savage had called that person an it without knowing it, it right. would have been the end of the fucking world, right? right? And, that, and the thing is, yeah, this goes back to the constantly shifting stuff. Even if you're if there's no ill will towards anybody, you're just like, oh, okay, I guess this is okay now. What about like you know? I said this before, almost jokingly, but like, why just do away? I mean, at this point, like. Anything the, the person identifies as is how they'll want to be treated, and that's fine, right? But mistakes will be made constantly because if if it is acceptable to some people, other things could be acceptable in the future, right? And at some point, I mean, I don't know about the AP style guide and other style guides, but like if there was like mm-hmm. an ABE style guide, I would just fall back in just the, the nouns, just the names. You know, it's it's gonna be a pain in the ass to read constantly. Bob, da 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 da. Bob, constantly right. just referring to I, the person's I, name. I agree with you. It's it would first of all, it would be annoying. Yeah, it would be very annoying. awful to read. But no one will ever be upset about that. No except one... that they except that they would. So Demi Lovato, the way that she's presenting. She would be upset because if a person that then that person is denying her her identity by refusing to say they or she interchangeably, right? Right. That that somehow it becomes a political act on behalf of the fucking progressive ass magazine that published the piece in right. the first place. Ass magazine. To try to reduce editorial confusion in in the context of a single piece of journalism by only referring to her as she, despite identifying at the top that she has these other pronouns that she is like willing to go by. But it's not just willing to go by. And now it you've now taken the somehow you've taken the moral weight of the political action and shifted it from yourself which is the only place that you can actually put such a th- such a thing right? right that's the only that you can more that you should morally be able to put a thing of 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 moral weight is on yourself and you've shifted it to someone else and created a situation where you can only be harmed right and it's it's a this weird totalitarian thing that is it's a, it's a very much an authoritarian mindset to demand that other people to you in exactly this way and that any other way is a crime against you in right. an important way it just i mean this uh if we we're a more popular show i'll probably get in trouble for saying this but uh we're not and so it's fine this uh, like some of this stuff just sounds like like in the nba where you're baiting for a foul it seems like you're almost kind of you're you're coming up with certain identities and is it clearly told to the uh, the publisher or the publication that this is how they want to be referred to because I don't think that these people are like we're making an editorial decision to not do what you want us to do right there's no there's no fucking malice here right so they're like we'll do we'll do what you want but sometimes mistakes will happen and 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 to blow it up into some sort of like thing that they didn't mean this in a malicious way 
Right. And also there's no there's no harm. Like that's right. the other thing that drives me nuts. Like there is just no harm. And yeah, we can all walk around trying to create a world in which we are the constant victim right. of everyone around us. That is certainly a way to be. And what's fucked up is that that is exactly the world that Twitter and Instagram and Facebook want us to be living in at all times. Right. Because there's just something about that mode of social interaction that if you get on there and you ask for your team to get to line up behind you you're going to get all of the all of the hands on your back at that point that's that's when the the like reacts come out is the moment that you're presenting yourself as the victim of of the of the world and it's just a it's just a shitty way of being in the in the world and right. i don't know how you fix it that's that's the uh, that engagement thing that uh, facebook constantly gets in trouble for because there was a bunch of stories that came out i think the wall street journal did like a Lengthy. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's transition into the who gives a shit news portion oh. of the of the broadcast and open up the Fuck W. Whatever Abe had to say. <laughs> open up the <laughs> WGAS <laughs> news bag, and we'll start with the long list of Facebook stories that Abe was just talking about. But it seems like they're all from the same kind of like multi-part series, and it boils down to internally Facebook look Facebook look into like you know what sort of damage are we causing. And it turns out a lot, you know, not only Facebook, but Instagram. I think there was like... So they, they found that they were causing a lot of damage and then just proceed as... Well, as yeah, because usual. basically the, the head honcho, Zuck, uh, was basically saying, oh, let's do the right thing unless it gets in the way of me making money, at which point we'll mm-hmm. not do anything. Unless. So like, I see, I see, basically I see, I see. The, Understandable. Right, so like on the Facebook side, the platform is being used for like... Hum- I don't know why I keep on saying human slavery. Or, slavery, right? So basically just like, you know... Uh, house workers being traded around, you know, yeah. in the marketplace. Instagram yeah. apparently, the suicide rate ticks up with young women because of all of the yeah. distorted reality stuff that they do. And by the way, I'm going full China when it comes to the the social media stuff for my kids. Like they literally, <laughs> they they will not be permitted to be on social media until they're of legal adult age. Like, and I I say that now. I, my kids are. Not quite nine and not quite seven. It's a very brave stance. It's for also me an to impossible take standard to set because the peer groups will overrule you. Because if they're hanging out with their friends, old man Bob doesn't have the unless you have like a drone following. You know, no, he has no idea what it's going to like to be what it's going to be like to have teenagers. It's going to be hilarious and awful. <laughs> he has no idea. That is, yeah. He thinks he it's, knows. It's he not a, a workable solution. They will to not <laughs> be on that fucking social media. Which I is what I said it. to Katie the other day. You're going to have to get used to me knowing everything. It's like, no, no. You're going to have to get used to not knowing stuff. No, what I, the point of that conversation <laughs> is that my kids don't yet realize how preternaturally observant i am of He's the very observant of the, she's gonna do shit you don't know yeah. <laughs> i'm she might well do things that i don't know but i will know that she has done something that i don't know she they, my kids will not be able to hide from me that they have done something not at 15 that they don't 16 want me to know 17 about. no and I'm, that's all the information that i need <laughs> i i know this is the wrong lesson to take from china but as difficult as it is to like uh, two parents and two children like trying to like a billion plus, they're implementing these things, and it's some t- somehow working. Like I don't understand how they have the the tools to to enforce some of these uh, ridiculous things. But again, besides the point. Well, I don't. Largely, I don't think that they are. Like they they can. Oh, it's like they're saying it, and they're like, oh, take a victory lap. We've yeah, done it. They are an obedient population. 
So they're just well, saying, don't do true. this, and then people don't do it. How are we proving that it's working? <laughs> These kids can be it playing video racist. games at all times, and no one will know. Just, yeah, but they're just they're, – yeah, that no one will know, but if you get found out, then you're gone. Yeah, yeah. Like, anyway. it's not worth it. Yeah. Facebook, bad. Apple considered removing Facebook from the App Store after the BBC found that there were slaves for sale on different Facebook apps, including Instagram in 2019. The other thing that came out this past week about Facebook was a piece in the Times where Facebook had for years, any time that something went wrong in Facebook's public image, like Zuck would write a long, like five thousand word apology, basically, right. and say, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do better. This was bad, but we'll do better. Right. And sometime after the twenty sixteen election, old Zuck got fed up with having to apologize all the time <laughs> for the way that his shitty product was ruining the world, and they decided to pivot in twenty nineteen to instead taking out ads on their own platform and shoving them down users' throats, talking about how great Facebook is, actually. Which makes this whole thing about people consuming Facebook as a source of news ridiculous because they're literally peddling just positive stuff about Facebook on the platform to, to kind of drown out all of the negative stuff. That's, it was so absurd about the conservative complaint about Facebook in the first place is that Facebook only cares about one thing, which is uh, money, and they get that money through engagement, and they get that engagement by giving people exactly what they want. And what people want are Ben Shapiro and Dan Bongino posts right. in their fucking feed, <laughs> right. and that's all they fucking get. Right. And and then they also get a healthy, a healthy serving of Ain't Facebook Great, right. brought to you by your friends at Facebook. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you complaining but, about? But this I, is I, I always, just feeding people exactly what they want. I always thought that the, the complaining, especially on Facebook, from the right as basically like playing like working the refs you know just complaining the ref, you know complaining about what the refs are doing that way they're a little more uh loose the next time you know just to and and they are basically just kind of letting things happen uh i don't know which publication came up with this but they said that their facebook has implemented this like cross check feature where they have all these automatically removed settings right if something that the system picks up you know like nudity or something gory it will pull automatically but right. apparently that system did not work at all times and i think like rihanna or someone uh they were flagged and she complained and just so they avoid bad press they come up with a system where it goes up the poll to see if it should actually be removed so like if like donald trump or rihanna or someone famous definitely not bob howard because uh, nothing he posts gets through not but famous. anybody right. else so like i don't want to be the guy who thinks that it's all about me right <laughs> or, or that like i yeah but it it's sort of crazy to me that my domains are blocked from being able to be shared on Facebook. And like it would have been even crazier for me to imagine that it is because of content right. that I've written on those blogs about Facebook being terrible. Right. But like it's a recurring theme in my writing right. for the last few years yeah, is how you much been on Facebook doing it in the last Facebook few years. Sucks. And when you do it directly on Facebook, that's not a problem. Right. As long as I stay in their garden, then they're happy to – they won't promote it. Right. Like I – by the way, I've had pieces that I've written on Facebook. Why do you keep saying piece? Makes you sound like a. Hmm. <laughs> I've had essays that I've written on Facebook that get 
like I see my friends share them, right? So like uncle of mine or a cousin or Jerry, somebody will like actually share the thing. And it will tell me in the metrics in my Facebook dashboard, oh, only four people saw this post. Like, what the fuck are you talking right. about? How's I that? know for a fact that six people fucking shared it. Right. How can you tell me that only four people even saw the fucking thing? Right. And yeah, I admit I railed against Facebook as a concept throughout this thing. But like, don't lie to me. Like, it, like what is going on here? And the fact that they blocked the domain that I – like, I the whole brainiron.com was – the joke of the domain name is sort of centered around how shitty it is to be online all the time. And obviously that's not a message Facebook wants getting out. And it would be literally insane for me to imagine that the reason that brainiron.com is blocked on Facebook is because of the negative things I've had to say about Facebook on my blog, right? right. Like that cannot possibly be the case. But then you read this thing in the Times about Project Amplify where Facebook is spending a bunch of money on ads trying to – propagandize their product to the people who use it the most right. like maybe this is the sort of thing that they actually concern themselves with I, I is it not inconceivable that they facebook has a credit rating system and you're rated poorly because i think i don't think the the website it has anything to flag right i don't think they're like doing keyword searches and like hmm, facebook and shit you know, oh, they're, they're, he's saying something critical. Right. I don't think it goes that far, but maybe they're doing some sort of weird thing. And they're like, this person interacts with people, but unsavory types, and we don't want to A, B, and C. Yeah, you know? I don't know. It seems like I don't that's know. more But the likely. Facebook algorithm has has been like punishing the nonsense that I put up on Facebook in ways that are like comical to me because I know that they're just lying to me about how much my stuff is actually being seen. Right. Uh, so either it's a bad product well, being run poorly or they're lying. Like it was being seen less. I don't know. To encourage me to spend money on, on like mm, promoted posts okay. or something like Got that. It. And I guess that's one way to find out. If I started buying, actually paying for access to Facebook's advanced tools, would they? Would that get me right. unblocked? Would that get the thing taken care of? Who knows? Anyway, moving on from Facebook. You shared this link about this guy who was flying through. Oh man! Out of Charlotte to Oregon, and had twenty-seven thousand six hundred dollars in cash on him that was seized by the Department of Homeland Security, and he's probably never going to see it again. Right. This is Hi. the civil asset forfeiture thing. It's kind of made the rounds. I think that John Oliver guy did a thing. I've I've seen it talked about. Over the years, but it's still happening. There was a big, there was a big article in the Atlantic like years ago about civil asset forfeiture that was very, very good. I am surprised at how little traction this gets, right? Because like there isn't really anybody who would be for this, right? Like it's not like this is like left, right, or blue state, red, or anything like man, woman, rich, poor. Like it seems like. They are coming up with these contrivances to take people's money, right? And so I guess if people are just like indifferent because they think, well, come on, who walks around with twenty grand or thirty grand? So maybe they're just. I was just thinking to myself, right? So basically, they're just saying, and and some of the some of the explanations were a little weird. Oh, it's going to 
Portland to buy a car. Yeah, that's what I was doing. And and well, <laughs> but first of all, don't don't frame it that way. The best part about this money is the guy talking about the fact that uh, he can't put money in his bank account anymore oh, because, because the, the his divorce. fucking wife keeps taking all the money out See, of his account. That one was a good. Basically, the, the, these are the kind of reasons they give. But the thing is, and I think it's in the official. You know the the detailed write-ups of the uh, TSA and other agencies. You don't have to have a reason. You can just have whatever money you want. I mean, you don't need to justify why. Right. So there is the 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 point is that there is no law about transporting cash in an airport or on an airplane from one city to another. Right. There is no law against that. So if you have a there's there are laws about like if I go to the bank tomorrow and deposit, I think it's. Ten thousand to do be the ten cutoff. grand. They might have they they might have lowered it, but I it used to be ten thousand right. dollars. Where if I deposit ten thousand dollars in the bank in cash, the bank has that generates paperwork. Right, right. And, and even it, if you come from international to America, it's the same kind of thing. Whatever that number is, I think it is ten thousand. But whatever that number is, the same rule. You have to like declare. Right. So if it. you're coming into America from Mexico or from anywhere internationally, you have to declare that money, and that generates paperwork that gets reported to the federal government right. in some way. Right. Uh, and that's the same for domestic banking. But there is no rule about taking a big pile of cash and bringing it from Hartsfield International Airport to Portland, Oregon. Right. No matter how loose the marijuana laws right, yeah. are in Portland, Oregon, <laughs> it doesn't mean that you're dispermitted from carrying cash with you. But apparently, any amount of money that a federal authority in the airport deems to be suspicious in some way— right. Can just be taken from you, right. and you can never get it back without spending at least that much on lawyers' fees. Right, and the thing is, the the reasons why are so flimsy that I mean, there's no uh, other evidence pointed to some sort of illegal drug thing, right? It's basically just saying that's a possibility. And uh, there was a quote in there where somebody was basically saying, "I'm going to seize the money, but if you want to walk away from a federal investigation, that's fine." Basically, he's saying. You know, I'm going to take the money either way, but if you're being a dick about it and you want it back, we can pursue this, and then I'll find everything about you. So basically like a veiled threat, like this is a shakedown. I already have the money. Best if you just, you know, don't throw good money after bad and go on about your life. But this is like this person's 20 grand or 40 grand or however many grand, and whatever they're going to do with it, you haven't proven that, right? So at this point, it's perfectly legal but it seems like this is an accepted thing and they 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 look back to between 2000 and 2016 which is the most current year they have data for for 16 years the government sees at least 1.8 billion dollars 20,000 here 40,000 there 10,000 here and in a lot of cases if the money is that low if it's 20,000 30,000 if you pursue it in court, it's like you've mentioned, Bob, it's going to cost them in legal fees something approaching that amount or if not more. And so basically they're just kind of counting on the fact that you'll cry about it and go home. And then this guy right. went and to then, the news, the local news, and, and they've been talking up his story. And who knows what happens with the money ultimately, right? Like there's just well, no – I mean from, from all the previous stories, it was, it was always like they would use it to buy like shiny new equipment and stuff like that. Like, right. So that was like a classic thing is like you're going through Texas and you have 15 grand in your 
in the trunk of your car because you're planning on buying your mother a truck or whatever, or you're for some reason you have that big pile of cash. And because it's such a big pile of cash, they can just take it. And then if you are unable to reclaim it in uh, some arbitrary period of time, like three years or five years or something like that, right. then they can just use it as they see fit. And it becomes this stupid thing where local police departments are incentivized right. to take civil property because it's for them it's no skin off their back right. if they want to go fight it in court then they will and but most of the time people don't have the resources to go fight it in court so then the period of time expires and they can just get to keep the property right right and they if they keep the truck then they auction off the truck and they just get that money and the burden is on you to to do all the heavy lifting to get it back. It's literally like a shakedown you would hear from like third world countries, but if it's dressed up in this way, people are like, oh, what were you going to Oregon for? Like, that's not the question you should be – like, why was this person's money taken? But it seems like it's just going to continue to happen until, I don't know, it happens to the wrong person and then – or like a high-profile person and gets more media attention. But it's just very weird that this is like, ah, eh, these things happen. Money's taken from them with no additional yeah. anything. There's no like – if there was some nexus to a crime, then maybe. But this is just like, oh, you know, we found your money, and now it's our money. Very shitting. I recommend reading the story. I'll link to it in the show notes, and I'll try to find – I think it was an Atlantic article from years ago that was very good on this subject. Uh, also in questionable taking this week in the WGAS news bag is a headline from the New York Times. She bought her dream home. Then a sovereign citizen changed the locks. A New Jersey woman was preyed upon by a fast-growing extremist group that claims its members are sovereign moors, not bound by U.S. laws. This is uh, hilarious. It's hilarious when this is happening to you. I always like uh, uh, this is like you know like sometimes when you're like in a nightmare, like things are happening that they shouldn't be happening, and things are yes. more difficult than they should be. This must be the experience of this woman because it like sound like an actual nightmare. Yeah, because like this is like my house. Why do I have to go through this whole thing? Like, no, oh. it's not your house. Right. But as so as a, as a bit though, right. as, like a comedy <laughs> routine where you're you're like a guy who goes around. Just making wild claims about like a trigger happy TV kind of right. How, oh no, this isn't your car. This is my car because because uh, it's my car now. I have the paper here. I I wrote up this title and, and I did it in a red crayon. Old and fucking as, thing. Yeah. As you know, any deed for a car written in red crayon and signed by me, a sovereign citizen, this car now belongs to me. For, Sorry, you're out of luck. And what makes it worse is that. Whenever some law enforcement person gets there, they're like, well, let's hear him out. Like, it's like, no, this is <laughs> we got to hear both sides. And he does have this paper with the red crayon on it. There's no denying that. He's like, I'm not familiar with this rule, but I'm not a fancy lawyer. Let's, you know, and, That's right. and the whole thing just happens. But I did uh, want to share a, a quick uh, because when I when I read uh, Sovereign Citizen and, and, and Moors and all this stuff, it reminded me that I take it that neither you or like Bob and Laura, you guys haven't had many discussions with uh, black separatists in your life, have you? Because I have. No, haven't I? I have not. No, Abe, you're the only black person we know. Okay, so at least true. on three occasions over the last like seven, eight years, I happened upon some person who seemed like normal at the top, and five minutes in, I'm like, holy shit, how do I get out of this fucking conversation? And like, and, like, and, like at a bar or something. So the, the one time I was at a bar. The second time I was like at a 
barbershop, so I was kind of a captive audience. But basically, it just starts off like, hey, brother, what's going on? And then say, all right, everything's fine. And then there's something about white people, and then it's Moors. So that's why I was like – and, you know, in my memory, Moors is like the Seinfeld episode where – George is playing with uh, Bubble Boy, and uh, there was like a misprint in the card, like some trivia game, and it said Moops. And so, just anytime I hear more, I just think of Moops and right. the Seinfeld episode. But they are talking like all the stuff that's on the on, in the story. That's what they're talking about. Not like I'm gonna steal somebody's house, but basically like s- some weird made up history where like the black people and the Moors and some weird shit. And they're like, we need to like have our own currency or on our own laws. And I'm like, oh, I got to go take a piss or like, you know, right. the haircut <laughs> is just good the way it is, you know, like half cut or whatever. Just like trying to get out of it. It's just like, I don't know what to say. I don't want to like push too far back, you know, just say, ah, that's an opinion or something vague like that. That's all I can get out of it. But there are people out and about that believe No, there stuff. are people who, so my my favorite i don't know if it's my favorite it's a fun article you should read it if you can but people who claim to be moorish sovereign citizens believe they are bound mainly by maritime law <laughs> not the law of the places where they live <laughs> so they uh fucking pirates i guess right. and they can just like run around claiming property uh that they have no reasonable legal right to Which is- uh, so the guy just the guy started sending her, this woman who just bought this house like officialish looking documentation with like weird bloody thumbprints on it right. and and golden seals saying you know by the authority granted me by the king of whatever the fuck from <laughs> the 1800s uh, I'm claiming this house is my own, and it's like my ancestral home or something. I think like that that particular house was built in the 1950s or something. It's just like some weird cockamamie arguments, but. I mean, it wasn't just a hypothetical. He, like, went in. Maybe he was paying attention to where she went to work, but he got in, changed the locks, and it's like, oh, I live here now. And he thought that, <laughs> that would work. <laughs> like, it's such a weird... It's a funny bit, though. You got to hand it to him. And the bit it's... continues because she's still getting, even though the person's under arrest and going through the process of being charged, she's still apparently getting on occasion. And And her story is actually very, like, you know... She came from nothing, and she kind of worked her way up right. to be a customer specialist. I don't know how much they pay her, but enough to, to afford a house. And this fucking asshole with his right. bullshit Well, argument. she did lose me there in the, the quote she says, The Moors claim to be about black liberation and opportunity and uplifting black people. But he is literally oppressing me and taking what's mine as a black woman. Like, ah, he's trying. <laughs> but, like, he's not, gonna, he's not going to have any success. That is true. So far. I, but <laughs> I don't think you're being oppressed here, lady. Like, it's very unpleasant, your situation. But, but how comfortable would you be in taking a, 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 a like, a, going to a wedding in the Northeast if <laughs> that asshole is, like, out on bail? And you're just like. That's right. <laughs> it is, uh, it's crazy. Anyway, uh, Switzerland voted this week to make same-sex marriage legal by a near two-thirds majority, surprising uh, everyone who assumed that gay marriage had been legal in Switzerland for much longer than now. Is Switzerland like a religious place? I'm surprised that they just no. getting around. No, I just to think it. they never got a. They were neutral on the issue, or get like, around to it. That's weird. The reason that I bring the story up is actually because at the bottom of the story, uh, the Reuters story that I was reading about this in a separate referendum 64.9% of swiss voters rejected a proposal to introduce a capital gains tax that's the last sentence so 
it's almost a comical uh, parody of what quote unquote neoliberalism is <laughs> in the modern age, which is that Switzerland finally comes around on gay marriage, and then they're like, "Yeah, but on that whole taxing that 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 wealth that we've accumulated." <laughs> Not so much of that. We're gonna keep that, but Let, but yeah, the gays. Yeah, yeah. sure, whatever. Let's but, take the easy but victories. But the money is yeah, but the money is ours. <laughs> right. uh, let's see what else amused us in the news this week. So last week, uh, if I say the word cyber ninja to you, what does what does that conjure up? Isn't this the uh, the sham audit in Arizona? That's right. So the cyber ninjas oh, yeah. were a company that were hired by supporters of Donald Trump and his claim that the entire election was stolen uh, to do an audit of the results in Phoenix, in Maricopa County, and I think probably in other parts of Arizona as well. The results of that audit came back and found some truly uh, shocking numbers, (laughs) which is that it... It tallied 99 additional votes for President Biden and uh, 261 fewer votes for uh, the the loser president, former President Donald Trump. So a, a net loss of something like 400 votes for the former president uh, in the audit by people who were entirely motivated right. to find exactly the opposite of that. Right. The whole thing was – the whole endeavor was to find the other – Opposite finding and and to a much greater number, right? They needed like eleven thousand or whatever. Correct. And they lost ground. And also, I don't think they even followed the right. Maybe that's their argument. We're so incompetent that this shouldn't mean anything. That's right. <laughs> the funny thing is, the Maricopa County people who've been against this obviously from the beginning because they believed that they had done a good job tallying the the results of the election. They rejected the results of the. Cyber Ninja's investigation saying that there were all sorts of mistakes there, which then, of course, leads to Trump people citing the Maricopa County officials <laughs> saying that the Cyber Ninja's actually fucked up and that they can't be relied upon, but then stopping citing them immediately right. because they don't want to admit that the Maricopa County people, who they just got done citing as being uh, truth warriors, uh, actually got it right in the first place. Right. I mean, they're just stitching up their own reality. But I guess that, that is the right move because you don't want to set – you don't want to establish that this is like a uh, an authority here. Like cause they'll just circle back the next time and, 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 and come up with a result that, hey, you guys believe this the first time we did this when it didn't right. go our way. And as hilarious and ridiculous as it is that the – cyber ninjas went out looking for more votes for president donald trump and came back with more votes for joe biden it's so good i guess good as that is it like i was reinforced this week with how close we came to the no path for victory becoming actually a very reasonable path (laughs) to victory which is that in three states only forty three thousand. Right. You forget. Yeah. You forget how fucking close this 7 was. Million which is, is that it was yeah. significantly closer right. than the election in two thousand sixteen in terms of like it was. It was literally like twice as close. I think yeah. Twenty sixteen was, was seventy was, eighty thousand in that neighborhood, and then this is like in the forties, right? So right. it's, it's 40, almost forty three thousand votes separated in, across three states separated uh, a Trump presidency and a Biden presidency, but that, which is just. Th- I mean, this amazing. is to to much greater degree, but this is similar to the civil asset forfeiture like oh i thought this would be 
much bigger news. It's like all of the stories that are coming out of all of the shenanigans from Election Day through January 6th and, and beyond would be a much bigger story. But people are like, ah, almost an overthrow, but it didn't happen. We don't have to talk about this, but the homicide rate in 2020 jumped 30%. A record That's increase. A after you said that there's less violence right. against one another. Yeah, well, pandemic years don't count. Yeah, and also if you smooth it out over like a long period, I'm sure, I'm sure the graph is going down. But yeah, I think they said it's like a record jump, right? Like 30% or something. First of all, yeah, well, with all this distancing, how are people accomplishing these uh, murders? Guns. Yeah, lots of guns. Oh, yeah, I guess... Uh, oh, there, you can shoot people from very far. I guess that is true. Good question, though. Yeah. I read an op-ed last week. Uh, It's entitled, Voice Assistants Don't Understand Us, They Should. And this is an op-ed written by someone called Char Adams. Uh, Miss Adams is a reporter who covers race and social justice issues for NBCBLK, whatever that is. Uh, This is an op-ed in the New York Times. Uh, Notably not something that I just scraped off of a stupid Tumblr blog. In fact, it was uh, an op-ed in the New York Times. In which this person, who is a stutterer of of some sort, finds herself oppressed by the fact that her voice assistant, her uh, her Alexa and her her Siri and her Google assistant, don't understand her. What, what, uh, it's a bummer. How does she mean? Like Sometimes she she has my a... autocorrect doesn't autocorrect the way I want it to. She, like she can't. Uh, like she's speaking in some heavy accent. I'm I'm confused. What is it, the problem? The problem is that the she has a speech impediment. If, if she if she activates Google or Siri, she cannot oh. then get to the next step in the process fast enough before Siri is like, ah, I'm not listening anymore. You're too fucking slow, you stuttering idiot. Uh, which is obviously if something that Siri said out loud would be very harmful, uh, but is in fact not that. I like never use voice commands. I think it's way easier to be precise and type. Yeah. Same. On the one hand, right, to, to be fair, it is an interesting problem, which is that yeah. uh, there will be a population of people in any given population who are outside the norm of how they're able to communicate with their voice, right? And that it is incumbent to an extent on tech companies to account for that and to try to design their products to be usable by all people and not just people who speak, quote-unquote, normally. But all stutters are not the same. How would this stupid computer yeah, figure it out? Yeah, but it's not just stutters. Like you said, an accent right. could, you know, or like when our kid was two and tried to talk to Google all the time asking about Star Wars. Like, right. it never knew what he was talking about. And one of Bob's better Facebook statuses was a listing of what Google thought our son searched for. Oh, Yes, that was that was a funny <laughs> Facebook moment for me. We should just talk about my funny Facebook moments <laughs> as a podcast. That would be good. It's getting late. Do you guys remember those stories that uh, came out a few years ago where like the automatic soap dispenser thing was like racist? Like it couldn't Yeah, fig- it couldn't see black yeah, hands. Yeah, couldn't figure. It out. I don't know if they worked out the the kinks, but it usually works for me. All right. Well, that's good. So this person documents throughout this op-ed how all of the major companies are are working on this pro- problem like they all recognize that it's a problem and they all have devoted significant resources to trying to solve the problem you think uh old man biden would get on top of this right he he's uh it's not gonna do anything calm down <laughs> yeah 
Quote, companies should ensure that voice technology accounts for diverse speech patterns from the moment it meets the market, and disabled communities must be a part of the development process from conception to engineering to devices release. So what she's saying is that in order to be in full compliance, uh, you should not ever release a product that cannot be used by 100% of the population from the get-go, effectively delaying the release <laughs> of all products uh, into uh, the future forever. And we would never actually get these things. Where, where we go one, we go all, Bob. We all got to be on the same page. Yeah. But yeah, that's not a very workable to... thing. I mean, that, 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 you're right. That would probably set things back like five, six years. Yeah. I wanted to discuss quickly. This actually came out. I, somehow I forgot to bring this up last week. We were all frazzled, or I was frazzled last week. It's from the Washington Post, and it it reads like a bit from an improv show or something like that. It's The headline is, After 20 years of waging religious guerrilla warfare, Taliban fighters in Kabul say they miss the battle. And it's an article by Susanna George in the Washington Post from last Sunday, uh, September 19th. It'll be in the show notes. It's an article about how all of these Taliban guys who are having to transition into, like, the civil service in downtown Kabul oh. are bummed because <laughs> they don't get to jihad anymore. And it reads like a South Park it's bit. It's so ridiculous. Or, a, or an SNL bit. This is a quote. All of my men, they love jihad and fighting. So when they came to Kabul, they didn't feel comfortable. There isn't any fighting here anymore. <laughs> Many of my fighters are worried that they missed their chance at martyrdom in the war. I tell them they need to relax. <laughs> they still have a chance to become martyrs, but this adjustment will take time. That's my uh, that's my boy Abdul Rahman too. Uh, wasn't there like some like some yeah. guy who was like a rideshare driver in some other country, and he's just like, I'm not doing anything. He's like, oh, you want to die? And and <laughs> he got like him and four <laughs> others to like, yeah, let's do it. I don't know what is going on where. It is literally just like completely brainwashed to where like their whole orientation. You're bored. No, but you've never I, been so bored. You want to die? <laughs> never been that bored. And they truly, oh they God. must truly believe that killing some people is gonna, you know, fast track you into heaven or something. These it, will get you not bored anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're right. It did read like this absurd kind of. Thing. It does. Martyrdom seekers have different skills. Some were trained to use vest bombs, others in car bombs or targeted killings, and some were frontline fighters leading operations. Uh, now they're just a bunch of <laughs> pencil pushers and they're sad about it. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Uh, it really does make you wonder, though, about. Can you trust the street sweeper in Kabul? Right. Like, can you? Can you is, <laughs> right. is there? <laughs> we, I would be really nervous. We had a, like, these guys are going to be on a it's, hair. It's a, a hair South trigger. Park episode. Right. It's a South Park boys go to Afghanistan and everybody's sad because right. yeah. they can't or, martyr anymore. If they had like a Parks and Rex Afghan edition, just people just agitating for some sort of conflict and nothing comes of it. All right, one last thing here in the Jesus Christ in the WGAS news bag before we finish up abe i know that you've discussed this on your other podcast oh. and uh and i'm i referenced it there in the opening about my my just disgusting and inappropriate opening but you know there was an explicit label on this podcast before you downloaded Sorry. it so i shift make no apologies shift the onus on them this is from vice news vice.com you can find the link in the show notes maybe not best to click on it at work headline this guy is coming out of his ass 
A rare complication from a catheter might have made this man ejaculate through his anus for two years. Uh, the first, so obviously it's vice, which is, you know, they can say whatever the hell they want. Uh, they're not, they don't seem to follow any sort of like uh, journalistic uh, practices. Right. They're not Reuters. Right. They're, <laughs> this isn't the AP. So the first sentence is, a man spent two years nutting out of his butthole before seeking help. In a case that perplexed and impressed researchers. <laughs> so apparently this guy uh, was a mess. He had an opioid problem or some sort of drug dependency issue. It was like a issue. PCP and cocaine, which probably explains the the, 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 the delayed uh, reaction. You know, to- right. He'd been living with some really nasty body horror, self-inflicted body right. horror for years before this happened. So he's willing to put up with quite a lot in, t- in the body horror department. Yeah. So coming out of his ass is relatively easy to swallow, so to speak, compared to all the meth and PCP he was doing. But apparently he was catheterized at some point and they fucked the plumbing up yeah. down there. And they somehow his ejaculate was rerouted uh, whenever he would uh, be in a certain kind of way right. and enjoying himself in a certain kind of way. And it would go into his butt instead of coming out of uh, the penis, which I think is typically how that happens. I'm not familiar with the process personally. No cause but apparently for alarm it's not for supposed two years. to go in the butt. Right. And I think this wasn't, you know, not too many ad bats during those two years, but like that seems to be. <laughs> that seems to be a troubling uh, pattern. You know, you think, oh, let me, let me call the doc. Uh, I mean, there are any number of ways to go with this story, none of which we need to go. You're all free to go there on your own. But, like, imagine you're trying to get pregnant. (laughs) We've tried everything, Doc. (laughs) Uh, But also, like, I also imagine this being something that's happening to someone and they're trying to explain it to a skeptical person. Like... Like, imagine the poor teenager to whom this happens, and mom keeps finding all of this ejaculate mixed with poop in his underpants when she's doing the laundry. Like a and she's like, son, do you have something you need to tell us about what sort of... Ac- no, mom. No, mom. That's mine mixed in there with my own shit. It's a, it's confusing. It's a one-man operation. Uh, I know it's hard to believe, but... I'm not doing what it is you think that I'm doing. Sure, son. You come talk to us when you feel ready to have that conversation. Anyway, you've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. For some reason, Lori doesn't want her name on the show at all. I can't imagine why after that conversation. You can find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Head over to brainiron.com or castironbrains.com. So that's something that I've said on this show many times these last 70 odd episodes, right? That we have a website, brainiron.com. My mother in law is trying to set up her own website. Did you say our mother in law? said my mother in law. Okay. She's my mom. Yeah, your mother, Lori's mother, is trying to set up a website in the last couple of weeks, apparently struggling with it. A Squarespace website, by the way, which is the the hosting service that I use. Uh, and instead of like just asking me to see if I could sort it out for her, yeah. hired a professional oh. and is going the to pay them money. The best thing about that is that she listens to the podcast on the website. Yeah. Oh, really? Listen, yeah, she sits she... at the computer and listens to the podcast on the website. Oh, that's long. These are long podcasts. It is. Anyway, I found that amusing that 
she could just just ask right. me <laughs> next time, Andrea. I will be happy to help you fix your website, and I won't charge you a thing. You've never advertised your uh, services, you know. That's because it's not. It's not. I'm not trying to make any money oh, here. It's just. It's so. What's obvious to us is not obvious to her. Okay. So, she. When it's like, why doesn't the TV work? And you're like, oh, you're on the wrong input. Right. Like it's obvious to us. Right. It's obvious by looking at it. Not obvious. Right. So like, website doesn't work. Call website fixer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna need to bring in the professionals. Like no. It's like, like I'm the thirty eight. We're millennials. Thirty eight year old person. I've had a website for twenty years at this point, one way or another. Like I'm not good at it. I, I don't have a certain set of skills. Right. But like you know, I point and click and figure but it, it out. It makes sense. You know, you got plumbing issues. You call a plumber. You got some website issues. You call the website person. Right. You don't call just. It's very. It's a very Washingtonian federal government outlook on the right. world. Yeah, we need. That's... We're going to need the experts. That's right. Better call on the experts. <laughs> I am so sick of hearing. Uh, this is a completely different take. Oh, then don't say I'm going to count. At some point, I'm going to remember to count uh, how many times I hear the phrase "we spoke to an expert," right. either either on NPR or on the news or in an article, and it will be it will be like in the hundreds over the course of any given week. I think they never. Qualify? They don't say self-professed, like to take a dig at the person. They always just say expert. Expert, always going to the expert. NPR has a raging hard on for the expert at all times. Uh, opening and closing themes of the show were composed by our expert theme maker, Mark Gilling. You can find his band at tetramermusic.com. Let's see, what were we watching besides the football this weekend? We finished Succession, so we're all caught up on Succession. Nice. Overall, would, okay? Would, yeah, it's fine. Uh, I hate television, and I would not be sad wow. to never watch. I've decided I'd be happy to just never watch another episode of television as long as really? I Really? I'll continue. It's, a, it's an important thing to Lori. It's not. I'll do it by myself, happily. Right. But what's important to me is that I spend time with my wife we doing... We can do other stuff. ...an activity... We just not watch NFL Red How Zone. How can you categorically she to do? shit on an entire... Because th- who you think you're television. talking to? Television. Boy, that's a lot of stuff. Like, Survivor came back. An old pizza buddy of mine doesn't post on Facebook very much until Big Brother season starts. And then he starts, and then it's like, oh, shit, it's Big Brother time. It's posting time. We're talking about Big Brother. Like, who are you people? Anyway, the point about the TV take is that as good as Succession is, it doesn't make me feel good or, like, really think things. And that's, I guess that's not TV's not job. Always, but there's yeah. been a yeah. There's a couple of good TV series. I think that, and this is now, it's becoming such a common take that it's just sort of becoming an annoying take, which is that actually peak TV wasn't that good and that that there were basically two good shows and everything else sucked. But I think there were maybe only two good shows and everything else sucked. It could still be the peak, Uh, right? Right. wasn't as high as you thought it was. And yeah, TV is way better now than it used to be, but it's still fundamentally in its DNA television right. yeah, and but why is that bad because and like, i don't okay, don't watch it i right. will watch it all by myself i thought you liked to do things if uh, you don't want to this is not a personal this is not at all personal right this you is not said you literally only watch it because i want you to right what i'm saying is i i i'm not saying i would never watch tv again i think that it is you a, said that exact thing no but what, what i'm saying is that 
like I'll continue to watch football. I'll continue to watch the most talked about drama shows that exist in the pop culture because I think it's somewhat important to be plugged into that sort of thing. It's impossible to be plugged into everything that is that is talked about in the culture uh, just because it's fucking stupid to have to subscribe to all of the various streaming services to be able to watch everything. But television is still just television. And even the best television is it's just completely empty calories. Yeah, but it's and way sometimes... more entertaining than watching you find something to watch, which is what you seem to like to do most Saturday nights. Sometimes mad, a madman comes along and actually has something to say. Sometimes a Sopranos comes along and actually has something to say. The Wire, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But mostly we're talking about just pure junk food. And that's that's what succession is. As good and as well done a show as it is, it's just empty fucking calories. But why, good enough. But why do I I like empty calories? Right. That's and what I, I want to do. That's fine. And I'm just saying I don't. I don't like okay, television. So let's not do it. I will do that but, on the treadmill. That's fine. Yeah. When I say I don't like it, I mean I think it's not good for me. That doesn't mean that I don't want to eat the bag of chips that's sitting in front of me. What about you, Abe? What fucking trash did oh, you shove down your gullet boy. this weekend? Just to keep the theme of trash, because I did watch the Ali doc by Ken Burns, which was very good. And basically anything Ken Burns does, I'll watch. Um, But on the flip side, I went to go see... uh, But was that garbage? Because that's television. Yeah, no, that was very good. And I don't uh, subscribe to uh, Bob's uh, poor thinking that that television is bad. But in this case, um, so I I watched uh, a movie. Have you guys ever uh, heard of this Dear Evan Hansen? It's like this uh, musical... (gasps) Turn it you watched another musical. Okay. So I was thinking, well, maybe I'm into this musical stuff, right? And uh, no, you're not gonna like that we one. had a, this movie was, it was like I was watching it. Like, this is like such a bad, like, ad, I don't know what the original, because people said that the actual. Well, the original is a Broadway, mu- right, Broadway the, musical. The Broadway musical like, one was good, and this movie didn't do much in the box office, and it wasn't yeah, it critically acclaimed. Ben Platt's like fifth. Yes, this Ben Platt guy, because I, I got too much of him this weekend, because I watched this movie. And I then watch, which is not a good movie. The movie doesn't make any sense in a movie format. Like, I don't know why you're... Basically, I am awkward, no. and so I'm making up lies just to maintain because I'm too awkward to say the truth. And then I watched on TV, there's this new show on FX or FXX or one of those letter channels uh, with uh, BJ Novak, and it's called The Premise. And basically, the premise of the show is each episode stands on its own. And they all have different premises. I've only watched the first two episodes. The second episode is not as good. But the first episode is kind of funny because it's basically the premise of that first episode is this progressive person, right? There was like some sort of uh, crime happened against a black guy. He was brought up on charges for assaulting a cop. He's saying the cop just fell because he's out of shape. And the cop's like, no, you hit me, blah, blah, blah. There's no way he can prove it. He's in jail, Right. And right. he had he recorded having sex with his girlfriend, and it was positioned in such a way that you could see the cop falling in the background. But you can also <laughs> in the foreground see him having sex poorly with another woman right. or with a woman. And, and 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 he brings it up to the lawyers to say, "Hey, I can ex- you know exonerate the person. So if you can just t- blow it up and just take a still." of the top right-hand side to see that the cop did what... And they're like, no, 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 no. We need to give the full context. We need to play the whole tape. And, you know, this whole awkwardness, I don't want to play it. And when he goes to to the trial, the other lawyer is basically like, you're not a particularly good-looking person. This woman, she's much better looking than you. This must be like a deep fake. Basically, this is very absurd premise. So it was... 
entertaining at least. At least the first two episodes. Where, where, where is that available? It's FX or FXX or... Yeah. Oh, okay. Why aren't you watching What We Do in the Shadows? Which one is it? Where is that on? I think that's this is the one you guys keep on. FX on Hulu. It's on FX. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's probably like I probably passed it to get to this. I'll watch that. It's you should watch wonderful. it. It's the tis the season. It's it's Halloween now, right? Oh. So you should yes, be watching. Yes, that's why Abe would should watch it. Abe cares about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, uh, watch it my, in summer. You you said the words "Dear Evan Hansen," which I recognize as words that exist in the culture, right. and that is the full extent of my not miss, understanding of you're not missing that. Much, it's yeah. it's the, akin the to very good. It's akin for me. Apparently, there's a thing called Roblox. Like Roblox is a thing that kids do. It's some sort of video game on the sort iPad. Of like Minecraft. Oh, and okay. Apparently, we can't figure it out. Apparently, it's such a thing that like there was this whole display at Costco this weekend where they're selling Roblox gift cards. Like you buy a hundred dollars in gift cards for ninety dollars or something like that. And I like my brain just couldn't process. It's like so. You buy the money to spend in an ongoing way for this video game or something. Like, I, I just didn't make right. any sense to me whatsoever. And that's also how I, I Googled it. feel about Dear Evan right. Hansen. It was and a musical. That's how you know that uh, you're getting old, right. is that you're just no longer interested in putting in even a bare minimal amount of effort to understand uh, what's happening in the world right. around you. And it's that's sort of a bummer. Hey, uh you got anything else for us tonight? Actually, I do, Bob. Um, here's a clip of uh, David Letterman asking Kevin Durant of the Brooklyn Nets a couple of questions at a press conference. The uh, gentleman with his hand raised in the back? Yes. Excuse me. Hi, Kevin. Could I borrow your notebook? I didn't bring. Thank you. Uh, 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 Dave from uh, Basketball Digest. Kevin, uh, uh, KD, why, why do people call you KD? Um, Can I call you Katie? Or? Yeah. Okay. My, my first name is Kevin. Uh huh. Right. And my second name, my last right, name, down. my second name, my last name is Durant with a D. KD. Uh, this year, how, what percentage do you plan on giving on the court? 90, 95, 100, 110? What are we looking at? Uh, 110. 110. 110. Uh, I just got off the phone with the Dolan family. And they said that they're talking to the commissioner now. They're looking at working a contractual deal that will allow you, uh, when you're not playing for the Nets, days off, you'll be able to play for the Knicks. Comments? All right, Dave, that was the last one. Co I'm sorry, was that a comment? Co that was it. How about you? Do you have a comment? Wrap it up. Okay. Uh, I'm being told my time is done. Have a, have a great uh, year. Thanks. What about the Pelicans? When you guys play the Pelicans, does it kind of make you giggle? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. That's all I got. That's it, everybody. Thank you. Good night. Okay. Good job, Dave. <laughs> I have to go make some calls now. Tough act to follow. We'll go to Brian Mahoney, Associated Press. You let anybody in here. <laughs> I think that's uh, all we've got for tonight, then. And we will talk to you next time. Later. I'm getting my tooth surgery on Friday. Oh, no kidding. The first of the Bob's month. I'm afraid I'm going to die. She's probably going to die. That should be fun. I mean, not fun, yeah, but... Great fun. I might die. But also... 
It's gonna hurt. I uh, I miss David Letterman, is what I found out from that clip. Yeah, yeah David. Good. Yeah, but uh, speaking of old, but yeah. Came back. <laughs> Abe, I watched the first season of Survivor. We've talked about this. And I, I, sure, but it amuses me to no end because I was thrilled at the end of that Survivor year. I, I said, that is a fucking phenomenal hour of television that just happened. You said this exact thing. And I never need to watch another second of it. And you, 41 seasons Not in. Not 41 seasons in, 36 seasons in. I started like the fifth season. I like, what's all this hubaloo, hullabaloo over this uh, Survivor? Uh, I think there was a co-worker at our old stopping grounds that watched it. And I started watching it. I'm like, oh, look at that. They have games. I'm in it for the PCP and cocaine. That the Braves closer this year is Will Smith, and there is a there is a truism that not I've the been actor, saying. Right? Just the... Not the actor. Uh, might be better off if it was in fact Will Smith the actor <laughs> than this fucking bum. But Will Smith is a guy that the the Braves signed last year or re-signed to a three-year, like thirty-eight million dollar contract or something like that. And it's like uh, as soon as the contract was signed, I was mad because I hate when teams pay for saves. Whether you're a fantasy football or a fantasy baseball owner who's drafting a closer in like the first five rounds, or you're uh, an actual GM of a baseball team, you should never fucking pay for saves unless it's like Mariano Rivera. Unless you have like definitively a guy who's proven to be one of the greatest closers of all time. Never pay for saves because you just never know going into any one baseball season who's going to be good at that particular job that year. What's going on? And then PCP and cocaine. 